welcome back to Save by the Spell. Today is a first on the show. I have not one, but two special guests joining me today. First, I would like to introduce Amanda Yates Garcia, also known as the Oracle of LA. Amanda has a phenomenal book titled Initiated Memoirs of a Witch, as well as hosting the Between the Worlds podcast, which I was very honored to be asked to be a guest on last year, I believe. Amongst a backdrop of other great offerings, but we're going to get into that. My other guest is the phenomenal James Vincent. James is not only a brilliant makeup artist, educator, beauty expert, but he is a director at the internationally known makeup show and the creator founder of Rebels and Outlaws, a magical witchy candle, potions and cleansers company that him and his adorable husband, Jeremy, create and run together. And he lives in my old hometown <laughs> providence good old providence um hello hello to both of you <laughs> hello thank you for having me so happy to be here thank you so much for having me i'm so excited to chat with both of you i i'm so excited to have you both on i've never had two guests on and i thought why not like um particularly because we both separately we're having conversations kind of around this topic of like what makes you like witchy aesthetic what makes you look like a witch you know like that kind of thing and in the context of like you know am i less witchy if i have like you know no nails and short hair or you know or how do i use uh you know makeup and dress and an outer drop, you know, dressing like to protect myself or in spell work. And, um, I said, you know, wow, this would be a really cool conversation to have these different perspectives on, because I feel like we all have our own kind of unique style of and ex ways of expressing ourselves, whether it be through our clothing. I, I affectionately call my clothes, my costumes, my human costumes, and it depends on what mood I'm in. And, and it's the same thing with um, utilizing the power of makeup and glamour and not just glamour magic to get what you want, but to enchant, right? Like to bring good luck or protection. Um, and that, that's been, makeup's been used in that way since the dawn of time, you know? So I don't know, I just thought it would be fun for us to talk about it, especially with um, witches being more visible, I would say in mainstream media, or at least being an aesthetic that some people are like, oh, they, want something to look witchy or uh you see it in television shows and movies and stuff like that but like what is that anyway um like what do you i would say for both of you um i don't know start amanda what do you think of like what is witchy aesthetic like when you think of a witch what does a witch look like this topic is so great oh my god i feel like someone really needs to write a full book about it because it's so complex and big um i guess i'll just start with my kind of witchy path like i grew up my mother was a witch and she was a witch in the tradition of reclaiming so it's very like west coast like kind of muumuu wearing like earth mama kind of like velvets and you know like pentagon pentagram <laughs> necklaces and made of pewter or something like which 
is so different than the aesthetic that's like witch talk aesthetic or you know contemporary witch aesthetics and when i was when i was first kind of coming back into witchcraft in my 20s i i didn't really embody a witch aesthetic i just kind of had my own kind of style and i i didn't really understand fashion when i was young you know i'm from Santa Barbara, it's like a beach town. It's like Birkenstocks mm. and cut off shorts. You know, I, I didn't understand fashion at all until I moved to London. And the way that I learned it was kind of the hard way because all of the people that I knew, like kind of in the fashion world and stuff were like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is not working. <laughs> like, so I didn't know anything about fashion, you know? And, and then when I decided to really step into my witchitude as a profession, as an art form. Then I was kind of like, what does a witch look like? And I, I decided to really embody that. Mm-hmm. And then it, the aesthetic is kind of like Galadriel, like, like elf from, you know, um, from the Lord of the Rings. And the thing is about this, though, is like, I have very fine hair. I've always had to have short hair because it, it doesn't look good when I grow it long, but I always felt like I was a long-haired person born in a short-haired person's body. Like, I didn't feel like myself. I, I never felt like I could be myself until one day, I I don't know, maybe I was inspired by Kim Kardashian or something, but I, I realized like, oh, you can get extensions. And I was like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you could do that. Like, I just didn't ever think of it. And then I got these really long, like mermaid hair down to my belly button extensions. And I was like, now I am the person I was meant to be. Like, I I just felt like myself for the first time in my life. And, um, you know, and I started wearing these like long dresses and nails and lots of jewelry and stuff. And people just really responded to it, you know, like, people would come up to to me on the street and be like, are you a witch? Like Mm. the media, you know, I I feel like it really helped my media profile because I feel like when, when like television shows or magazines were asking, wanting to see a witch, they were like, that's what a witch looks like. Like she has long hair, she has like nails, she has rings. But now I find that my aesthetic is changing, you know, I'm getting older, I, I want to embody a kind of more powerful place. And, and I, I also want, you know, extensions are not easy to, to manage, right? right? Like, yeah. They take a lot of work, they're painful, they're expensive. I mean, and so I'm really caught in this place. Also, too, I'm like learning to play guitar. And so I'm not doing my nails and everything. And, but this is where it gets complicated is I think most witches know that, you know, most people are really serious about their craft, know that witchcraft is about the power you feel inside. And it's not about looking witchy at all. Mm -hmm. Like you could be wearing business casual, have like, a you know, granny haircut Mm -hmm. and be a very powerful witch. You know, it doesn't really matter how you look, but I think we get caught in this place in like media representations where people expect you to look and be a certain way. And then you really get rewarded when you do. 
And like, so have you ever noticed Marcella on Instagram that like, if you're doing a post yeah, and you look really witchy, right? You're really repping the witchy aesthetic that day. Like you just get so much more responses than when I just like kind of show up looking like my ordinary self. And it's so frustrating because it just like, you get punished when you are just, you know, being yourself, but then people will say to you, oh, but that's not what witchcraft is really about. And that's so superficial and shallow. But then they like, but it's like, okay, but you're liking the post only when I'm looking like a real quote unquote witch. Right. Or, or the, the lip service of, oh, you should just be yourself. But then when you are, or you show up, like if I show up without a filter, um, you look tired (laughs) or the the ageism comes in, you know, you know, and it's like, that that's the thing that I find really like, um, like that you're constantly battling, you know, and I, I definitely have experienced like these different aesthetics, like sides of the fence, especially in media, like with, um, depending on the way, if I get attention based on the way I look, like when I, um, this is one of the things we had talked about, right. Was when I had a year sober, I made a decision to chop off all my hair because our hair holds everything. And I felt like I didn't want any remnants of that old reality or chemicals or stuff in my body. Like I didn't want it attached to my antenna anymore. And, um, and that was also like a very personal, like really intense choice, um, like related to like some people have beliefs, uh, particularly like on my father's side, like about like cutting your hair and that's your antenna. And anyway, and I had a couple of like people that I was friends with. I'm not friends with them anymore who were really, um, I also like with getting tattooed on my face, that was the other thing. People were really freaked out. They're like, don't tattoo your face. You're not going to be marketable. Don't cut your hair. Um, like, and you know what? It, it did damage, like in terms of like me getting booked for things, like people stopped booking. Cause I didn't look like Stevie Nicks or I didn't look like, you know, and I've always, my looks always been off. <laughs> like it's not quite, like fashionable, but it's not quite like, um, uh, just basic, I would say. And, and I think that's the other thing It was like, I've always experimented with fashion and makeup and dress. And, um, and it's almost in this way of, uh, uh, anti look, you know, like when Instagram, for me, I, I got Instagram around 2010, but then it really picked up for me when I, put out my first deck of cards. So in 2013, my Instagram account grew rapidly because I was posting all of this like witchy stuff, which I don't even really do anymore. It's really, you know, I, 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 um, I kind of just got turned off by the amount of it and like, who needs to see an 800th post of a, you know, the same thing. I don't, I don't want to see I'm bored, you know? And, um, Anyway, um, and I used to, I started working, when I started working full-time doing readings, I've been doing readings, when I went full-time at Mystic Journey Bookstore, all the ladies were the California, Mumu, you know, like (laughs) pentacles and things, and very like Earth Mama, right? And here I come with my vampire deck that I got in fucking Newport, Rhode Island, and my black hair and nails and my eyeliner, because I always had my Chola eyeliner, and they're like, you're so intense. 
you're very <laughs> intense. Maybe you should just like skip the eyeliner and more people would come to you. And I was like, no, like I want to be me. And, um, and it just like, wasn't ever going to be, especially I'm like, don't tell me no. It's like, the that's like the the gasoline for me it's like oh coca tell me no not to do something i'll 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 get right on that opposite <laughs> but um yeah. yes go ahead james <laughs> i think that it just brings up a lot of it brings up a lot of conversations because we're talking about a space that is so predominantly female and so as always, there's like a cultural lens that tends to be steeped in, you know, pop culture and the male gaze and, and male history. And I think for me, beauty and, and, and magic, you know, have always been very connected. And so my step into makeup was writing my dissertation on women of color and the white beauty myth. Like, how are we looking at the beauty industry and, and and how it includes and how it excludes and, and all of these pieces and then getting into makeup. I have always looked at makeup as something empowering and I really kind of work that way. And if you look at, at my clients, you know, they tend to be people who are known for their looks, but also very powerful looks, someone like a, a Joan Jett or an Amy Winehouse. But then I think that it was only a few years ago that I started to understand the power of how we present. I think I've, I've always kind of had the same look. It's vans and docks and jeans that are too tight and rock and roll t-shirts. And I've had that look since I was 15. The clothes just keep getting bigger. But <laughs> a few years ago, I was in Brooklyn and I uh, went to the Brooklyn Museum. And as a New Yorker, you know, we, I have such access to these museums. And so I go all the time. And this show was Georgia O'Keeffe. And, but it wasn't just her artwork. It was her clothing. It was her ephemera. It was the stuff from her studio and clothes she made herself and her jewelry and her makeup. And then coincidentally, the next week I went to Mexico City and it was Casa Azul and it was Frida Kahlo's makeup and her clothing and her studio. And I thought aesthetic is really powerful in our intention. And so what I started to realize is my aesthetics, which I would say I, I I probably think I look like Stevie Nicks. I probably look more like rock and roll B. Arthur or like, <laughs> you know, very like rapey kind of thing I do. But I started to realize that I initially, up until my 40s, probably dressed for other people. The idea of fashion, the idea of style, the idea of like the world that I live in LA, I live in New York, I work in fashion. But in the last few years, I've kind of stepped into empowering myself with what I put on, whether that's markings with makeup, whether that is what I'm putting on my body or designers that I'm working with or where I put my dollars. Um, that's always been very powerful. And then I started thinking, I've had that language all the time because my first classes as a teenager with Lori Cabot, who really speaks to even the color that you wear every day, you know, as so powerful for our which for our magic, for our connection, for our intention. And so I think what I kind of realized at 49 years old and as a 49 year old queer person, um, the magic is in how we apply 
for ourselves. And then I think how people perceive us and uh, how they it allows them to interact with us. So I think for a long time I was dressing for protection and now I feel like I'm dressing for connection, if that mm. makes sense. And I think that the fashion of which is very different than the style of which. And I think that as we start to break down the misogyny of fashion, you know, and how it kind of puts people into these archetypes, we start to see all of these different witch aesthetics kind of coming forward in the last few years that are inclusive, not only of people of color, queers, you know, people of size and shape, but also how we express our witchiness doesn't need to be draped in black, but uh, an expression of our own power and place, you know, if that makes sense. Oh my gosh, absolutely. That's brilliantly said and stated. I love, and I, I love that in terms of like open expression and freedom to, um, yeah. to, to like embody your magic in the way that's most comfortable for you. If you put on extensions or wigs or other things that make you feel good, then you're, you know, like, yeah, roll with it. That's why I call them like costumes, you know, I, I it's, um, because it's part of, it's an enhancement, right? It's like, why think of like when people are doing rituals or performers and stuff, like I would think of, um, you know, why do we wear crowns to connect us, right? Why do we wear different jewelry? Like it's an extension of our field and um, our magical practices. And, and, um, and again, and also just to remind people that it doesn't have to look like uh, what the magazine or the influencer told you magic look like. You can um, embody and charge and program whatever you're wearing. Like you can charge your mascara. I always love that one to like keep my eyes open to the truth, you know, or let my lipstick, um, let my lips speak only words of empowerment. You know, like there are things you can do to enchant like mm -hmm. your look and it doesn't have to be a Balenciaga, even though that would be nice. Like, it's just like, it's like, what do you like? You know, mm -hmm. I think one of my, I used to like, when I was little, um, one of my mom's friends, my, I call her auntie Maureen. She was like a disco queen. And I thought she was like the most magical being and she was a full-on disco queen i mean she had the hair and the outfits and the boots and she smoked her cigarettes and like had her little beanbag um ashtray in the car <laughs> like and i i thought she was such a cool witch and like she never called herself that but i just saw witch as like she makes things happen you know and um so like i always just was like wow she makes things happen and i really just like aspired to be her so much so that like when they asked me what i wanted to be when i grew up i think the first thing i said was a race car driver and the second was i want to be a waitress like auntie maureen <laughs> because i thought that's what magical people did um and uh because that's what she did and and that was so empowering to me and also the hair thing, you know, like growing up, well, there's a couple that, I mean, I grew up in salons. My grandmother was a hairdressing teacher. Everyone in my family had their license of some sort, whether it was nails, hair, electrolysis. I was the first one to not do it. And um, hair was always like this costume change, 
you did what was fashionable and you, and when you did it, you were automatically empowered because you could be like in that position of power by changing your hair. Whereas sometimes now I see people get very upset when people change their hair. That was something that I really, they think there's something wrong with you. And I've had people project that on me too, because I've changed my hair. They're like, oh, you must be going through something. I'm like, can I just be expressing myself? Also, you know, certain colors, I didn't realize too at the time, again, empowerment, uh, empowerment, you know, like, oh, I want this green because it's super earthy and healing. You know, I want this red because I want this fire. Um, and I think there's so much empowerment in, in all of that. Um, in our aesthetics and how we share it. And at the same time, there's also that fine line of like, you know, it's like when people talk about the witchy nails and I'm like, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's um, a really brilliant nail technician and she runs a really successful business, but she was talking about the history of nails and how, you know, a lot of like white girls have appropriated like nails, you know, and like, you know, and just like the different kind of, where these things originate from. And even down people of, you know, Frida's come under some ridicule for appropriating indigenous um, cultures and their dress and expression. Mm -hmm. There is a power in knowing the magic behind these expressions and um, in the way we present ourselves, you know? And I think that's also why there's a lot of people reclaiming um, their aesthetics and not conforming to one particular way of looking, which I think is one of the most re like revolutionary things you can do as a magical practitioner. Boom, mic drop. No. <laughs> so powerful, it's so true. I mean, you're talking about so many things that are just so fascinating to me. You know, like I feel like I, the aesthetic that I was embodying, it is so much like what you were saying, James, about that, you know, male gaze. And I, I didn't realize to the degree to which I was kind of conforming to that. But it was also something that I liked, you know, not that I liked the male gaze, but that I like to embody this idea of a witch. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm 46 and, you know, I'm turning into a crone and I'm and in that transition, I am learning so much about power and owning that power and owning that authority. And it's very eye-opening. You know, it, it really makes you see a lot of things that you just didn't have access to before. So for instance, like, I think that like beautiful, long hair, kind of glowy, like long dresses, drapey, galadriel aesthetic that I was embodying, which is great. And like, if you're out there doing it, go for it was also kind of like it made people feel safe yeah. you know in the sense that it's like okay you're a witch but you don't look scary you look maybe like a little and you look enchanted but you're not scary and and one of the things that cronehood is teaching me is i've known this but i'm learning it on a new level like witchcraft is not safe mm. witchcraft is not safe you know like like wolves are not safe you know the dark is not safe it's beautiful it's powerful there's a lot that is um you know there's nothing better it's so beautiful i love it but one of the things that you know capitalism tries to do and thus through instagram and everything is to take the power the venom out of 
anything that could be threatening to it. And so I feel like my, I'm, I'm understanding now that I am more willing to embody something that maybe is a little scary. And I don't mean it in the typical way, like, you know, black clothes or pointy hat or, you know, but more like something that's unnerving, something that's uncanny, something that doesn't just easily fit into a box. And that's because I want to, I want to, I, I'm understanding more about like the materia of fashion, like the clothes, the, the objects, the, you know, all the things that we use and put on us. Like I, I was so intimidated by fashion as a young woman. I, 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 I just understood it as like, you're trying to get people to think certain things about you by dressing in a certain way. Like you're trying to get approval. Like that's what I, I understood it to be because I, you know, I didn't have a lot of people in my early life, like older women in my life who understood fashion at all. Like I just, it wasn't, I didn't grow up in a fashionable household. And I feel like women like your aunt <laughs> teach you, you know, like they they show you the power of that. And if you don't have it around, you just don't know. And so now I'm understanding that you can, you, you can, imp you can stand in power mm -hmm. by creating the look that you want. And it doesn't, and it's for me, I don't want to do it from the outside in. I want to do it from the inside out. I want to embody what I am called towards though, or that is calling me yeah. like the, the witch that is calling me forward. Mm -hmm. Like I want to embody her rather than just thinking like this is an appealing witch, you know? Yeah. It's, power and the privilege of the crone yeah. in a way, you know, I'm 49 um, and have always been like, you know, in gay life, they say no fats, no femmes, no freaks. I check all of those boxes. So that gay space has always been a space that I navigated trepidatiously. You know, I, I could kind of trick people into dating or whatever, but stepping into my late 40s, I feel sexier than I ever have. I feel more powerful than I ever have. I feel like I'm doing things for myself. And the magic and power that is revealed, I think when your inner witch starts to express and show you, I'm no longer now, you know, I was in Salem the other night for the night fair and I was like, I'm not gonna wear a cape. You know, like what, you know, how many occasions do I have to wear a cape? But I was like, no, I'm not going to wear a cape. And I thought, this is me being true to myself. And what's sexier than that? What's more powerful than that? And I feel like now my part is building safe space for these younger witches and, and practitioners and queers and sister outsiders who find safety even in the archetype. And when I was, I, I saw Stevie Nicks at the Hollywood Bowl a few weeks ago, and I saw all of these beautiful women of all ages, shapes, and sizes dressed in their like stereotypical Stevie Nicks witch outfit. But for that night, for the few hours, 
they were part of something fashion, something magical and something so powerful. And so I thought, okay, I'm learning to dress for myself um, and not thinking about fashion, but thinking about style and expression. And I think that the message that we maybe have to carry forward as this community expands is one of individuality and expression and not falling for the archetypes or stereotypes that, you know, I actually have a post that I almost put up today on Instagram at Coney Island with my husband and one of the wood cutout witch heads. <laughs> and I put, here's Jeremy, you know, making a statement about the media's expression and exploitation of witches or something like that. <laughs> but really, I think it, as you get older, you just start to realize that there is power in you as a person, an individual. And so we have a, a, a responsibility to be ourselves, I think, and put it forward. And when I look at people I went to high school with who are struggling with getting older and shit, it's because they haven't done the work to step into their magic or find themselves or their tribes or or whatever, you know? And so when you're talking about becoming the crone, I'm like, it's such a powerful place to be, you know? Absolutely. It is such a powerful place to be. And it's it's to the, um, the peril of, or like, a, I just think of how we're, we're really robbed of a, the crone in like pop culture witchcraft. Mm. Because we're seeing all these young people who are amazing and inspiring and beautiful, like the witchcraft that they are embodying. But I just cannot express the degree to which like my 40s have empowered me. And and like we it's like as soon as we get to that age, we kind of like drop off the map. And and it's like I just feel like I wish I had that kind of mentor when I was young to help me and to guide me. But right when we get to the place where we're like, oh, this is what power is. And just by being in our presence, just by being in the presence of someone who can stand in that power and who knows that the power comes literally from within them mm -hmm. in a way that you can say when you're younger, but that you just can't see yet. At least I couldn't, maybe some people can, but many of the older people that I know say that they didn't discover it until their 40s as empowered as they might have seemed when they were younger like it's just a next level and it's just so sad to me that the way that the algorithm the algorithm quote unquote works is that it it hides those people away but i want to say to the young folks out there like even if it hides them go look for them Right. Because they have something for you that will help you. They have a magic. They have a path. They have a power that that will call you forward into your confidence and your full embodiment of your inner witch as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's interesting now, right? Like the way I remember when I started working full time at that shop, I was the youngest person there. And there, I was scoffed at, well, what do you know? <laughs> right. And, um, and I, I was like, fair, you know, what do I know? But I know I had a lot of trauma and I had a lot of things that like gave me life experience, but, um, 
And now to be in a place where I'm like, oh, I'm the older person. And I refuse to call myself a crone, even though I'm 45 and I'm starting perimenopause. And now I might have to have a hysterectomy, which is like a whole other thing. And watching my body change and um, in, in flashing to when it changed before, when I was becoming a woman, essentially, and, and how like um, it was like there was no like you couldn't be in an in-between you were either a child or you had to be a full-grown woman adult um and there was no like there was no exception of the the transformation you know being in the in-between space and i feel like that's where i'm at at 45 and um and in, it's interesting to see how like the when you're in those transformation phases how like you're pushed away they're like pushed to the back like you're not um, other people will come to you in private, in quiet, but like they're not putting you in front of, at least not in my experience, they're not putting you in front of the room or, you know, um, and it's it's a little bit disheartening. And, you know, so then we and part of us not having these like older mentors, for the most part, who are visible, uh, there's there's so much of that misogynistic or like male gay stuff that they're they've also had to contend with and they've just shriveled away or hidden themselves away or um the ones who are putting themselves out there get dismissed uh you know like or or you know just shut out there and i think yet we're all crying out for elders and there's all these people who are crying out for elders or they want to be respected like an elder but they haven't lived um I didn't start working full time until my early thirties doing fucking readings. Like it was not the career path. Like I did not think I would make it past 18, let alone live to 45. And magic's the only thing that saved me or has kept me alive since then. And I'm forever, forever, ever, ever um, in reverence to that. And I know in a, that it's always going to be this evolution. Um, but I'm like digressing here. Like I'm just, I've had so many thoughts and things coming up around this topic and just how we express or don't express, or even like, um, you know, some people who listen, you know, I'm multiracial. I didn't find out though about a lot of my brain. I didn't find my biological father till my forties, you know, till 42. But when I was going through that transition from being a girl to a woman, I don't know, I was like 13 and I started experimenting with makeup. And I started and like the women around me were partiers. Like I had like, so I was doing like wet and wild and like really like messy makeup. And, and I had like, I had a perm and, and cause that's what you did where I grew up. And I did everything to make myself look more um, like everybody else that I went to school with and including my uncle, like one of my Italian uncles who was super, you know, misogynist and racist and all those things. And, they used to make me stay out of the sun so I wouldn't get color. And then he brought me to the makeup counter. It was my first experience at the makeup counter and said, fix her face. She needs her nose to look small. I remember like learning about contouring. That's why I think it's so funny people contouring and doing all this stuff now. I remember learning about how to contour my nose and underline my lips to make my features look smaller. And I, I think this is the point that I was trying to make is like looking at our aesthetics and how, just like with anything, any tool can be a weapon if you hold it right. And 
looking at that with our dress and with our makeup and how we are um, identifying or over identifying with an aesthetic more than actually what's underneath and how that can be weaponized against us. So I don't know. Yes, go ahead. All right. I have a thought on that too, because, you know, the other thing that's been coming up in my discussions in, uh, I have a group where I mentor makeup artists, you know, so many people's first makeup experience is so traumatic is so, you know, tied to their mother's own insecurities or their insecurities or being bullied. And so what I have always tried to do with makeup is, is turn the tool around and, and make it about expression. But when we were talking about that, I also thought, okay, well, where do we find these aesthetics? Because if you talk to a lot of queer witches or a lot of my friends that are female identified as, as witches who are coming to it later in life, the Disney princess is what culture tells us is beautiful. But most of my rich friends rejected that. Most of my gay friends rejected that. We fell in love with the villains and the witches and those powerful people whose aesthetic was this very witchist kind of aesthetic. And so I think, you know, I wonder how many people listening had that same experience where makeup was such a brutal first look for them or skincare was because someone was pushing insecurities and vulnerabilities onto them. And then it was a traumatic experience. And so then we gravitate towards these empowered, villainous, you know, witchy women from culture and take makeup to our liners and stuff. Like I always say that working with, you know, Amy Winehouse is probably the make that I'm probably the most known for. And people will say, oh, that liner, it wasn't about pretty. It was fucking war paint. It was how she a world that was brutal for her. And I think how many of us left that traumatic, you know, experience of makeup or clothing. You know, for me, it was that I was always a husky. My mom would cut off the husky label because uh -huh. it was that for me, you know. But then find clothes and makeup as a way to protect ourselves and find our other weirdos, you know, and, and those people as well. And I want, sorry to, to jump in there like that, but when you're talking about your first makeup experience as a makeup artist, I hear that story again and again and again and again. And when I'm with my outsider friends in queerness or, or magic or whatever that is, I, we did gravitate away from those experiences into something that did become a little bit harder maybe i don't know well i love no i love that and especially when you're saying about the eyeliner and being like no this is how i have to like you know buck button up for the world like to protect myself and that is the power of makeup and dress it's like why we do things in a particular way we do it to um conceal or reveal uh you know if, if it's done consciously, right? Like some people don't think consciously about what they're putting on. Some people it's about, you know, comfort. Some people it is very deliberate, you know, it's deliberate. And I think one of the coolest things that I am hearing or noticing like being trended for like fashion forecast is the absolute no rules um, incoming for the next year. And I fucking love that. And I think a lot of like, I think about Pluto moving into, uh, Aquarius and the, you know, and I'm like, I'm here for it. I'm like, yes, let it be just whatever you want to do and not have someone else dictate like that. It has to look like this for it to be valued or important. 
you know? Um, so I'm excited about that in terms of what's next also in just maybe more mainstream representation of magical people. Like maybe there will be more of a different look uh, and not the same aesthetic over and over again that you see. And like, it's all cool, but like, you know, it's like, is it going to look, is it, are they going to start showing different types of people, different types of expression? You know? And I think acknowledgement of where we find our inspiration and inclusion of people whose traditions have always been taken, you know, um, with Rebels and Outlaws, with my line, you know, these are my some of my family's candles that, you know, I've been doing, I've updated them, but we only work with independent brands, queer-owned, female-owned, black-brown, and BIPOC-owned independents, because that way I know the intention through the whole process is there. If I was to order from Amazon, my candle doesn't hold the same intention or magic. But what it's opened my eyes to is how this community sometimes will appropriate or take something like sage. You know, white sage doesn't come from my community or my cultures, but blue sage is very much a part of my traditions in New England. I sit I live in New York in Providence. I live on lands of the Narragansett and the Wampanoag and the Nipmuc. And if I don't honor those herbs and traditions in my magic and honor that land, that's letting down, you know, the history and power that I'm claiming to honor. And so what I'm hoping is as we start to look at this fashion aesthetic, we also start to realize that we have to be accountable and we have to be inclusive and we have to acknowledge. And I think that the magic community is really looking at those things a little more, at least in the Northeast where I am. You know, in New York City, we have such a diverse and inclusive and representative circle um, and, and group of practitioners. As I come into New England, I'm seeing that change from where I was. I was just in LA, like the influence of the people who live in LA on the magic of LA is so powerful. And so maybe it's people's voices saying, yes, we do have this common aesthetic and language mm -hmm. that we share. So come in and be comfortable, but you've got to start to learn how to express your own individuality in that aesthetic or else you're missing out on opportunity to really engage and connect with this other these other wonderful witches you know mm -hmm. yeah it's so much about relationship like and how we cultivate those relationships like something i wrestle with a lot is you know as a settler on this land my family has been here in california for like seven generations on either side so a really long time and so we're, I feel very embedded in the land, but I also recognize it's not my land. You know, it's Chumash land, it's Tonga land, it's Miwok land, you know, it's, um, it's Keech land. Um, but like white sage grows on the land that I live on mm -hmm. and, and I want to honor that, you know, the, the plant, the, my relationship to the actual place. And, and that's how it becomes sacred to us is when we, we honor it. Right. <laughs> and we have to build our own relationships. Like for me, speaking as like a, you know, a white settler, um, that unless we have a, a sacred relationship to the land, we feel happy to destroy that land. You know, mm -hmm. we don't see it as a living thing. So we have to develop this sacred relationship with the land but we're not losing something by cultivating the relationship and the honoring and recognizing the history and recognizing the sacredness. Like that is a gift, that is a pleasure, that is an honor. And so there's there's so much that 
it's not like, at least, you know, I'm just speaking from my own lineage, that we're being denied. Like, Mm -hmm. we have this glorious opportunity to heal, to treasure, to care for, to, to repair. And we're kind of, I feel like duty bound to, to do that and that it's a pleasure to do that. And that's where our power comes from. But I was also yeah, thinking while I, I was speaking about, agree. I was also thinking about, you know, some of like what you were saying about our early introduction to makeup. And like, I remember when I first started wearing makeup, I think, you know, I didn't know how to do it. So I was like smearing on the lip gloss and the teal <laughs> eyeliner, just like, you know, it was very maximalist, let's say. And my dad was like, you look like such a slut and a clown in those, you know, makeups and everything. And so, but of course I was doing it because I felt ugly as a kid. Like I felt like I didn't fit in. Like I felt like it wasn't beautiful. Like I wasn't acceptable. So then it's like either way, like Mm -hmm. you don't wear it and you feel ugly. You do wear it and you feel like a slut. But what's ironic about it is that later... You know, I worked it, it, all through my t- early 20s. I worked in the sex industry. I worked at a lot of like strip clubs and things like that. And one of the things I realized in doing that work, which I feel like all the other women who I worked with did as well, is like you can't do anything unusual. Like, don't mm-hmm. wear a boa. You might, the other girls might think it's cool, yeah. but like the guys will be like, that is weird. Like, they want you to look as ordinary as possible. Like, their idea of what is beautiful comes from a magazine and if you do anything that's different from that they're just like i don't get it this is scary to me this is intimidating and so i feel like that it's so we're like constantly studying like what other people are thinking of us but then the real power comes from like what feels good to you like what feels good inside of you and it goes back to that relationship like how do you relate to yourself how do you relate to the people that you love and care about like your community your friends like that there is almost like a like a totemism that i think is really empowering and beautiful in um claiming our clans by having our by by dressing and having our empowered costumes or the 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 sort of clan um tartan or whatever you know that like goes with your group of people i love that i love that so much and um you know especially as a person you know being multiracial being wampanoag descendant being uh italian descendant being like all these different descendants right like uh you know but and not feeling a connection to anywhere like that's been my whole life is I've never felt like I belonged anywhere because I come from so many different places but when I could dress in a way that was comfortable to me also as an autistic person some days I can't dress I want things to either be so gigantic like you can't see me right now I'm wearing a giant body count jersey right and and then other days I want things to be so tight that I can barely move because I love the compression on my body and it's a sensory thing. But when I see other people in their energy, in their outfit, in their costume, and they are fully embodying, like I feel that's when I feel like I'm home. 
You know, that's when I feel like I'm connected to people. Um, because when I see people who are, I call them pod people and they're all wearing the same fucking thing or they all have the same, like they all saw, you know, Hailey Bieber do brown lip liner and now they're all doing it too. I'm like, I want to run, run, yeah. run, run. Those are not my people. Um, <laughs> those are not my clan. <laughs> like, get me out of here. Um, and uh, so I just, I, I love this topic so much. And I, I would love to just kind of finish, you know, because we could go on forever, but I, I'd love to just ask if either one of you were to give um, advice to your younger selves, like what is a piece of advice would you give to your younger self about magic, ma magically empowering yourself aesthetically, what, what advice would you give to your younger self that you wish someone gave you? You go. <laughs> you go. <laughs> um, I'll go. I think, uh, wow, it's such a powerful question because as we were speaking, I wrote a question. Are we, are we a little bit, you know, does it take us a little longer to become ourselves because we are so sensitive to the world around us when we are magical people. Why are, so many of us are neurodivergent. So many of us are sick. So many of us are, you know, have to deal with our own demons or things before we can step into our own magic. Um, does that sensitivity to everything around us and the accountability that we all tend to feel from a young age to connect to, to honor, to do all of those things, does it take us longer to become ourselves? And I think when I have discussions with my, my magical family, um, no matter what type of practice that we're in, a lot of us found our aesthetic when we were young as protection. And as we kind of age into ourselves, things become much easier. And so I guess I would say to my younger self just be you babe like it is not always easy but it is always worth it mm -hmm. and any time in my life where i have tried to shrink because someone's told me that i'm too much or i've tried to make myself invisible because my look maybe felt a little aggressive in a space i have missed out on something major and something beautiful. It is only when I've been myself and true to myself um, that I've found the right path. And it's funny because Marcel, I, I didn't realize we have such a similar background and even the idea of, I didn't know my background until recently, um, you know, feeling alone, feeling like there's no one like you, feeling like you're the only one, you know, I think so many of us who have gifts or were born with those, with that magic, and we're waiting for it to come to fruition or really show itself or reveal itself at a time where we were able to, to handle it or honor it. I think that the best advice would just be like, be you and trust the process of becoming you. Um, sorry, I, I don't know if that's that's such basic advice, but no, I think it's really you know it is just I feel sitting here with two such powerful people. Um, how different would my life have been if at fifteen we had had these conversations? Yeah. Oof, yeah. You know? 
Yeah. So true. I mean, I, I want to say, first of all, thank you both so much. It's very like validating and empowering to hear both of your perspectives. And I feel like it gives me strength to uh, see other people who I respect so much speaking to the same subject. And I think in that too is where my advice would come from in that when you search within yourself and consider like what your inner witch is calling you to become, like what kind of powers you want to embody and then letting that, letting yourself embody that through your fashion, through your hair, through your clothes, through your way of being in the world, you, you empower other people to do that as well. You show other people through showing up in your full power that it is possible and that we, we can live in a more beautiful, interesting, empowered way. We don't all have to conform to that external gaze. And when you do that, some people will really react strongly against it. And those are the people who probably most long to be able to embody that, but are so terrified. So if someone really strongly reacts to you finding your way on that path, don't take it personally. Consider that you are planting a seed for that person that maybe they will one day come to, to see like, you don't have to be angry at me because you can embody that too. You can do what you want too, but you might not be around to see that and that's okay. But just know that as you find your power, that ripples out and changes the world around you and your witch clan will love you and see you and recognize you as you do that. Absolutely. Beautiful and, and perfectly, perfectly stated. I mean, these are all things that like if my, you know, younger self had heard, I think would it would be so thrilled like and just felt like seen and i think that's a lot of a lot of it is like wanting to be seen as you truly are versus like the projections of what you think other people i i i've i think in to what you were saying james as well about being sensitive and finding it later i think that's true too because i think a lot of us who are very sensitive um and come from maybe volatile at times, um, environments, we're really good at accommodating everybody else's feelings and also managing and making sure everyone else feels okay because we can feel how not okay they are. So we're going to become the barometer of the room and hide away in that, you know, and, and then periodically, I mean, I've gone through so many style changes through my life and a lot of it was rebellion and a lot of it was a reaction. Um, and protection and just doing the things someone told me not to do. And I know that I realized that not everybody has that freedom, but I was like also like hating, hating the way um, I appeared on the outside because even though I tried to minimize everything in some ways, I was never gonna not look like myself unless I suddenly came into a lot of money and had surgery, which there's also nothing wrong with that either. I'm a firm believer in like, if you've, if you've got it and it's going to make you feel good, like do you boo? Like if that's part of your, it's, it's, it's all perspective. 
Um, I'm just so grateful that you both were able to <laughs> join me today. Thank you for making the time. I know you both have very busy schedules and um, I just think this conversation felt too good to be just private. <laughs> and I, I really just wanted to share with other people who might be kind of struggling with their own like self, personal self-expression and um, knowing the power of their own magic and how they, you know, walk this earth in their own form. So uh, before we go, uh, could you, I would say, um, James, how can people find you? The easiest way uh, to find me would be probably Instagram. I'm on Instagram at J Vincent Makeup, the letter J Vincent Makeup. That's my art and my personal. And then at Rebels and Outlaws is our line of candles and conjurings and, and makeup related items to uh, help you set intention and protect your energy and just prepare your space. So um, that would be the easiest. And I just want to say thank you to the two of you. You know, I have a quote that came up today in my meditation when I was pulling from my sacred symbols deck. Anasnin, uh, had I not created my whole world, I would certainly have died in other people's. Ooh. And as we were all talking today, I was thinking how powerful that is, you know, when you were like, oh, I didn't think I'd make it to 18. Like how crazy that we all had those same thoughts. And yet here we are croning together, um, <laughs> you know, making it easier for the kids. So I just want to say thank you to the two of you so much for uh, including me today. Thank you. And Amanda, lovely Amanda, how can people find you? So you can find me on Instagram at Oracle of LA. I am trying to segue more to my newsletter for you know, <laughs> reasons that we all, all are all too aware of. Yes. Um, so please do go to my website, www.oracleoflosangeles.com, and you can sign up for my newsletter there, or you can do it through my Instagram link tree. You can also grab a copy of my book. It's a memoir if you're interested in exploring more topics of, you know, how you come to witchcraft. Uh, if you look for initiated memoir of a witch, that's me. And then you can also listen to my podcast, Between the Worlds podcast, available anywhere podcasts can be heard and it's about tarot and magic and the western mystery traditions through a, a cultural literary artistic lens i would say beautiful thank you so much i'll be sure to include uh both of their information in the show notes if you want to explore further and um again thank you so much and what an auspicious new moon eclipse day thanks for being with such me such a great Auspicious new moon eclipse. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. We were closer and we could all have some tea together now. Well, you never know. It might happen on some, um, you know, at some point. I, I wouldn't doubt it. This fingers crossed, fingers, toes, and brooms. Um, thank you, everybody. Take good care. And until next time, blessed be.